focus on this song we were just involved in this evening, Faith of Our Fathers. Faith of Our Fathers. Is it important that we understand what we sing? Of course it is. Paul mentions a principle in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 15, where he says we are to sing with the Spirit, and we are to sing with the understanding also. It is important uh, that we understand uh, the songs that we sing, the purpose and the ideals behind them. Well, is it important that we mean what we sing? Is it important that we mean what we sing? Well, of course it is. Songs are made up of words. These are words that we are proclaiming to God. Much of what we sing are words of promises, confessions to God, acknowledgement to God, and promising the Lord in the presence of Him and all of our, our brothers and sisters that we are going to live for Him and carry out Uh, His will. And so it is important that we understand what we sing. And it's important that we mean what we sing before God. And so with this in mind, I want us to explore this song a little bit together uh, this evening by asking some questions and looking at the different phrases in the song. The song in your song book is 386. If you want to have your book open, 386. But also, we'll be putting up some of the phrases as we study uh, this together. The first uh, question I'd like to ask, is it possible to be in union with uh, the faith of our forefathers? Is it possible to be in union with the faith of our fathers? Now, let me explain something here. I, I confess that that I misunderstood this song for, for a while in my life. I would glance at it and I would say, well, our faith is not supposed to be based on other people's faith, whether it be our predecessors or, or anybody else's faith. Our faith is based on the Word of God. Well, when you, when you look at the song closely, especially here uh, where it says in verse... Uh, Oh, how our hearts, verse 1, faith of our fathers living and living still in spite of dungeon, fire, and sword. Oh, how our hearts beat high with joy whenever we hear uh, that glorious word. I'm convinced that the writer was basing the faith in the song on the word of God. And so it's the true faith. It's the, it's the holy faith of Scripture uh, that is being discussed in this song. At least that's how I look at it at this point. It's the holy faith of Scripture being discussed, and it's based on uh, the Word of God. Now, also, let's keep in mind, when we talk about our fathers, faith of our fathers, I, in my understanding of this, we're talking about the faith of those in the Bible. The, the faith of those in the Bible that held true to the Word of God. I'm not... I'm not talking about, uh, you know, George Washington here when I talk about the faith of our fathers or, or, 
or Abraham Lincoln or anybody else uh, throughout history that may have had a respect uh, for the true God or respect for God's word. I'm not talking about our, our grandparents or great grandparents here. I'm talking about when it when it thinks when it speaks of fathers, faith of our fathers. I'm thinking uh, solely about those uh, that that are in inspired inspired writings. Okay. So from that standpoint, we ask the question, is it possible then to be in union with their faith, the faith of those who held uh, to God in the Bible? And I think the answer to that is clearly uh, yes, because their faith is based on the same standard that our faith is based on. Romans ten seventeen is a clear principle in God's word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Whenever you read about faith in the Bible, really, whether you're reading about faith in the Old Testament or faith in the New Testament, you're talking about someone whose, whose faith is based on what God has said to them. Abel was able to worship by faith, Hebrews 11 verse 4, because he listened to what God said in regard, in regard to what he wanted in worship. Noah was able to build by faith because he listened to God as God warned him about the flood that was to come. He, he listened to God about what God wanted in that great big boat that he was to build. Abraham was able to obey God by faith because he listened to God and, he, and when God told him to go and leave his country and go out to a place that he would tell him about later. Abraham was able to act by faith in offering Isaac because he listened to God and, and what God wanted in regard to offering Isaac. And, and so on and on, uh, faith comes by hearing, hearing word, by the word of God. Same ideal how uh, faith in the Bible is based on how God operates with man, deals with man. We have that clear principle in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace have you been saved through faith. This is how God has operated with man just about, you know, all throughout history. Certainly with Noah, it says in Genesis 6, verses 8 and 9, that Noah, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And that's the same kind of principle that we operate on today in regard to salvation. Noah found grace because he listened to God and he believed God and he could see and understand how merciful God was being in offering them a way of salvation from uh, the judgment that was to come through the waters. And so Noah uh, responded by faith. Through grace, God's grace and our faith, uh, we always have found a way to be acceptable unto God. And it's no different uh, today. Right. And so we are in union with their faith in the Bible because uh, they use the same standard that we use, and that is the Word of God. And that standard also includes God operating with man uh, through His grace and our responsible uh, faith. Notice in John sixteen thirteen, when it comes down to our day and time, the New Testament, it says that Jesus was promising the apostles that the Holy Spirit would come and guide them into all the truth. All the truth. Every, every bit of it. And so because they use the word there of the apostles in the New Testament, and we use it today, and so therefore we are in union with the faith of, of our fathers. You see. In Second uh, Peter 1 and verse 1, Peter mentions the like precious faith that we enjoy. We enjoy like precious faith because we are basing our faith on the same standard, which is the Word of God. In Titus chapter 1, verse 4, Paul spoke of 
uh, Titus being a true child after the common faith. Okay? We have a common faith. All right? They had it then because they were all operating off the same word. We have the same faith today because we're also operating off the same standard, the word of God. That's why we can read about the seven ones in Ephesians 4. There is one body and one spirit. Even as you are called in one hope, if you're calling one Lord, notice this, one Lord, one faith. One Lord, one faith, and, and one baptism. One God and Father of all, who's above all, through all, and in you all. And so, notice very carefully, it's possible for us to sing this song with a great deal of passion and think about the faith of our forefathers because they had the same standard uh, that we have. It's interesting that the way uh, Jude uh, begins his letter, he says, I had intended to write to you concerning the common salvation. This is what we all want to do. We want to be able to go out and share God's word, the simple gospel plan of salvation based on the crucifixion of Jesus and his resurrection. But in Jude 3... You said, I had intended to write unto you concerning common salvation, but because of circumstances, I had to write to you and beg you to contend earnestly for the faith, contend earnestly for the faith uh, that was once for all time delivered unto you, okay, delivered unto us. All right. And so Jew was writing about the common salvation. They have that common salvation because you have a common standard, which is the word of God. And we are to stand up for that word. We are to contend for the faith when people in the world uh, challenge that. All right? Now, this song mentions, in, in verse 1 of the song, it mentions how that our faith is living still. Faith of our fathers living still. It's a good question to ask. You know, is our faith still living? The Bible speaks of a dead faith, James 2 and verse 17. Even so, faith, James writes, even so, faith without works is dead being by itself. It's dead. Okay. Unless faith is followed up by obedience, unless faith is followed up uh, by good works, then our faith can become uh, dead. Jesus sent a message to the church at Sardis, Revelation 3 and verse 1. He says, you have a name that lives, but you're dead. Their faith had died. Their faith is that. The, the church at Ephesus we read about in, in Revelation 2, they had left their first, their, left their first love. And they were, they were dead because they were in need of repentance. He said, uh, repent from whence you have fallen and, and, and do the first works, uh, Jesus said in Revelation 2, 4 through 6. And so, is our faith still alive? Is it still alive? Okay. We can be in consolidation with the faith of those of ancient times, yes. But our faith must still continue to live and to thrive. And we must uh, go to Scripture constantly to make sure that's happening. And then here's another appropriate question. And that is, is our faith strong enough to remain firm all the way to the end? You see, the song says, Faith of our fathers, holy faith, we will be true to thee till death. We have to be careful what we sing. Okay. When we sing, we're not just singing words. We're singing promises to God. We're making pledges to God. We will be true to thee till death. What about that song we sometimes sing? I surrender all. 
I surrender all. Okay. If I'm going to sing that, then I have to leave that worship here and I have to go and, and, and fulfill that pledge I'm making uh, to my Lord. And the same way here, is our faith being strong until the end? Wednesday evening we were discussing Hebrews 3. And the writer again and again encourages us to think about our faith and making it firm unto the end. In fact, the whole book of Hebrews uh, concerns that very ideal. Many of the Christians around Jerusalem, having been Christians now for a while, were succumbing to the pressure of um, going back to elements of the old law. Well, notice here in Hebrews 3 and verse 6, Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if, notice this, if we hold fast uh, the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Firm unto the end. Notice in uh, Hebrews uh, 3 and verse 14, for we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. So the way we begin with Christ, we are to increase in that faith and hold it firm all the way to the end. If you jump on over to Hebrews chapter 10, and notice about verse 22 and 23, Hebrews 10, 22 and 23, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promise. Notice in the same chapter, down in um, Hebrews uh, 10, beginning in verse 35. Hebrews 10, beginning in verse 35. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which um, has great uh, reward with it, for you have need of patience, endurance, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, he that shall come will come, and he will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, don't be drawing back. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but we are of them that believe for the saving of the soul. We must be firm unto the end. And so we've got, this song helps us to look at our faith and ask ourselves, well, is my faith still living? Is it strong enough to remain firm unto the end? What makes this faith holy? Faith of our Father's holy faith. We will be true to thee till death. What makes it holy? Well, you could easily answer this. We serve a holy God. Isaiah 6 and verse 3. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We serve a very holy God. Jesus proved to us the holiness of God by coming to this earth and living a sinless life. 1 Peter 2 and verse 22. God has brought to us a holy book. A holy book. Anybody with a good and honest heart that, lead, that, that reads the scripture will walk away being challenged to live close to God and be like Him. We, we have a holy book. And that creates a holy life. First Peter 1, uh, 13 and 15 says, uh, has, has a quotation from, from the Old Testament saying, uh, God saying, Be ye holy, for I am holy. That, that's the plain uh, spoken uh, language of the Bible. Be ye holy, for I am holy. 
So we have a holy God that we serve. We have a holy book that God has given us. We have a holy life to live. And we're going to a very holy place. We were able and blessed to, to study about heaven last week and how it's, it's a pristine place. It's a place without sin. No more mourning there, no more crying, no more, no more sin there, no, no devil there. It's going to be a holy place. So faith of our fathers indeed is a very holy uh, faith. Well, can you think, you know, in verse 1 here of the song, talking about the ancient faith, in spite of dungeon, fire, and sword, the faith of our fathers kept living. Out of dungeon, fire, or sword, even prisons. Can you think uh, for just a minute? And, I, and guys, let you speak up here if you'd like to. Um, can you think of people in Old Testament, New Testament, who were thrown into prison and suffered because of their faith? You, you're welcome to yell it out if you'd like to. Or... Daniel. Okay, Daniel. Daniel chapter 6 was thrown into where? lines then because he went ahead and called upon God and prayed unto him even though there was a warning against that. Okay, who else? Paul. Yeah, Paul several times. Paul several times. We remember, uh, well, the end of 2 Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, Paul is, is ready uh, to depart. He says, the time of my departure is at hand, 2 Timothy 4 and verse 6. Certainly, uh, Paul, and we, re- we read in Acts 16, Paul's in Philippi. He and, he and Silas uh, received many blows uh, with a, a whipping. And then they are put into an inner prison. Their feet and their hands are put in stocks. So yes, Paul many times finds himself... Okay, who else? Jeremiah. Okay, Jeremiah. Jeremiah in a dungeon. Jeremiah chapter 38. Great man by the name of Ubedmelech comes and, and rescues uh, Jeremiah out of that dungeon. But he sank in a miry pit and because he taught and spoke what God wanted him to, to do. Okay, who else can you think of? All right. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from Daniel chapter 3 because they refused to bow down to Nebuchadnezzar's uh, golden uh, image. All right. And so they were willing to uh, lose their life, lose their life uh, for the sake of the Lord's command. Okay. Anybody? Okay, Joseph was thrown in prison for, for being right and doing right and uh, escaping uh, Potiphar's wife's, uh, Potiphar's wife's clutches, but uh, he was lied about and thrown into prison, absolutely. Okay. But coming into the New Testament, can you think about anybody else who suffered uh, for their faith in the New Testament? Peter. Okay, Peter, Acts chapter 12, uh, Peter's thrown into prison. In Acts 12 also, uh, Herod killed who? Uh, James. James, the brother of John. Killed him with a sword. And he saw that that pleased the Jews, so he he arrested Peter and put him in a prison. How did Peter escape out of prison? Yeah, angel came and let him out by night while he was uh, sleeping. That's right. We can go on and on. On and on. Think about the stoning of Stephen. Turn your Bibles um, with me to begin to the book of, of uh, Hebrews. Just do a short reading here. Hebrews chapter 11. 
you know this to be the chapter of faith, but if you keep reading past some of the names, verse uh, 36, Hebrews 11:36, others suffered mocking and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. Uh, they were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. All these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. But notice all these all of these who, who just wandered about, suffering here and there. What we have recorded for us in the Bible doesn't even touch the hem of the garment of those who are willing to suffer and to be persecuted uh, for, for their faith. And it is meant to inspire us, uh, certainly. Alright? Notice this in regard uh, to this song. It says um, in this song, Though in prisons dark, uh, still in heart and conscience uh, free. Though in prisons dark, what it says here. Yeah. Verse 2 Our fathers chained in prisons dark were still in heart and conscience uh, free. I think this relates a little bit what Andrew was uh, saying to us uh, a little while ago about. Though being a lady being in prison, yet she'd obey the gospel, she was made free. As Jesus speaks about in John 8, 31, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and truth shall make you free. Indeed, we can be made free. No matter what situation we're in, nobody can ever take that freedom away from us. They were stoning Stephen, but there were so many things they could not take away from Stephen. They could not take away his forgiveness, they could not take away uh, his relationship with the Lord. They could not take away uh, his home in heaven. They, they couldn't take away his character. Uh, the world can take things away from us, but they can't take, the world cannot take precious things away from things of faith away from us. Okay. But I like what Paul says in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2. And let's read this uh, together. 2 Timothy 2. Uh, Brother Mark, you feel like reading? Um, come up here, and if you don't mind, we'll we'll turn this Lord's Supper mic on. Second Timothy two eight through ten. Let's read Second Timothy two eight through ten uh, to get the full impact of this uh, paragraph. Remember that Jesus Christ, of the seed of David, was raised from the dead according to my gospel wherein I suffer troubles as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore I I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. It is a faithful saying, if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. Okay, don't go far. You know, the interesting passage here is verse 9 where Paul says, I'm bound in these chains. 
but you can't bind the word of God. You just can't do it. Paul's being treated as a malefactor, King James Version says. This is a common criminal. We also remember this is how they treated Jesus. When you look at Luke chapter 23, 22 and 23, you know, they, they said, send us Barabbas. You know, send the man who was, who was known for insurrection and murder. Send him out to us, but we want you to crucify Jesus. So Jesus has said, what they do to me, they're going to do to you. And Paul was a fulfillment of that, uh, that very thing. Notice that Paul said that he was being bound uh, in chains, but they couldn't bind the word of God. Notice he preached the word of God and not uh, the word of men. Not the word of men. Now, uh, Mark, read for us uh, Exodus. Uh, go back all the way down to Exodus, back to Exodus chapter 1. Notice something I hope that's going to illustrate uh, something very important for us. Exodus 1, 9 through 12. This goes back, of course, to the days just right after uh, Joseph. Okay. And he said unto the people, his people, Behold, the pe- people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply. And it come to pass that when there falleth on out any war... They join also unto our enemies and fight against us, and so get them up out of the land. Therefore they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens, and they built Pharaoh uh, treasure cities, Pythium and Ramses. Notice, thank you, Mark. Uh, notice that the more they afflicted uh, the Israelites, uh, the, the more they grew. And it happened that way also in those early days in the book of Acts. The more they afflicted the people of God, the more they tried to stop the word of God, the more people were interested in hearing about the faith of Jesus Christ. You probably couldn't think of a more deplorable place in the world than where Paul was at as he writes 2 Timothy. Remember in chapter 4, he will ask, he'll be asking Timothy to bring a cloak. It's very damp where he's at. Okay. Paul wasn't going to quit working, but I mean, he was on death row. And yet from that worst place in the world went forth the word of truth. You can't bind the word of God. That's what I'm saying. You can't bind the word of God. As much as the world might try, you can't do it. It's too powerful. And so even though in heart and conscience they were free, and even though they were often thrown in prisons and in dungeons and in fire, nonetheless, you're not going to bind the Word of God. Part of this song also says, are we uh, willing to love both friend and foe in all our strife? Friend and, fro, friend and foe in all of our strife. Again, it's just so easy to find examples of this in Scripture. I, I love Paul as he stands before Agrippa and, and speaks to him the Word of God. And Agrippa becomes so uh, enamored with Paul. He becomes so taken with Paul. He said, Paul, you're, with a little time, uh, you'd persuade me to become a Christian. And Paul says, whether it takes a long time or not, 
I'd love for you to become a Christian. I'd love for everybody in, in the hearing of my voice and everybody in this place to be just as I am except without these chains. Okay. Can, you, can, you, can you hear the heart of Paul beating just like the heart of Christ? Can you imagine? Look at, look at how free from bitterness Paul is. He's standing there. He shouldn't be standing there. He is completely innocent of any crime. They've got him in, in chains. And he says, Agrippa, I want you to be a Christian. I want all of your officials here to be a Christian. I want anybody in this place, in this palace, in this hall, anybody within the hearing of my voice, I want them to be just like me. Okay? And Paul was very mature in faith. I, want them, I, said, I would not want them to be in these chains. And so again, notice how this song reflects some of the spirit of the New Testament. Is it possible for us to have this same spirit of faith that the ancient followers had? Well, notice in your Bibles this phrase, spirit of faith, in 2 Corinthians 4 and 13. The reason we can be in union with the faith of our fathers has to do with two big words. We mentioned one. The standard of our faith is the same, the Word of God. But is the spirit of our faith the same with, our, with those ancient faithful men and women? Okay. The spirit of faith. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4.13, we have the same spirit of faith. Speaking of speaking of of his comrades in faith, speaking of those Christians serving in Corinth and those serving in Ephesus, those serving in Colossae, those serving anywhere in Jerusalem, anywhere Christians were serving, they had the same spirit of faith. And he says, just as it is written in Scripture, we speak, we believe, therefore we speak. He quotes from Psalm 116, I think it is about verse 10. Where it says, I believe, therefore I speak. Paul says, we speak because we believe. We believe, therefore we speak. Boldly. That same spirit of faith. This is the spirit of faith that we find in this song. It's the spirit of faith that we find in the, uh, in the New Testament as well. Now notice this spirit of faith. Let me read it to you from Acts chapter 20. And Paul is speaking to the elders at Ephesus. And he says in verse uh, 24, he says, I don't count my life as dear unto myself. You remember that statement? Verse 23, he, he reminds the elders at Ephesus. He said, people keep telling me that... Uh, if I go on to Jerusalem as I planned, that there's going to be afflictions there, there's going to be imprisonment there. He says, nonetheless, I'm going. He says, verse 24, I do not account my life of any value or precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and finish the ministry that I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. Again, can you see how Paul's heart is beating like the heart of Jesus Christ? Can, can you see his commitment there? He says, regardless, I have made this pledge. I have promised the Lord. 
I'm going to take this offering to Jerusalem for the poor saints there, help them in, in, in relief of this famine, but also I want to go there to be able to testify the gospel of the grace of God. I'm going to go even if it means my life. Again, notice just over one chapter, Acts chapter 21. Again, they're begging him not to go into uh, the city. Beginning in verse uh, 13, he says, What are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I'm not only uh, ready to be imprisoned, to be bound uh, in Jerusalem, I'm, I'm, I'm also ready even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Being ready to die... In the name of the Lord Jesus. That's the spirit of faith. Okay. So can we be in consolidation with the faith of our forefathers? Yes, if. If we follow the same standard of faith. And we have the same spirit of faith uh, that they had. Okay. So I really enjoy this song. I love it. I, I have grown uh, with it. Because it challenges us. Uh, to live closer to God and be more faithful uh, to Him. Notice this one phrase here before we finish. How sweet would be their children's faith, talking about in the song. I think it's verse 2. Talking about the children of these followers of the Lord in these ancient days. How sweet would be the fate of their children if they too, like them, would die for thee. That's interesting. What do we want for our children? I don't know how many parents would say, well, I'd love to be able to see that my child died in service to the Lord, would die for their faith. But really, that is the goal of every godly parent is to see their child being so full of faith that if need be, they would give their life in service to Christ. Absolutely. So how can we pass on? How can we pass on our faith uh, to our children? Let's read one other passage uh, together. Sam, you want to come read this one for us? 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4. And... Verses 1 through 5, and then that will get us to the end of our lesson. 2 Timothy 4, verses 1 through 5, contemplating, you know, how do we pass on a strong faith to our children? Okay? 2 Timothy 4, beginning verse 1. So I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word, be instance, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after this their lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itchy ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, and do affliction, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Okay. Thank you very much, Sam. Notice if we're going to pass on uh, our faith, 
we must remind our children that God sees. The sight of God is a faith-changing idea. God sees it all. Our, um, notice Hebrews 4 and 13 in regard to that. All things are naked and laid open before Him with whom we have to do. God sees it all. We must teach our children from very young that God is watching. He's watching as we do good. He's watching as we stray away. God is inside of everything. The omnipresence of God is a huge faith builder. And then also, uh, we must talk about our talk to our children about judgment and eternity. Verse 1 there, I charge thee in the sight of God, in the sight of God, who shall judge the living and the dead by his appearing and his uh, kingdom. We must talk to our children constantly about eternity, about judgment, about how this life uh, is temporary. And so that's a great way of passing on uh, the faith. Of course, in verse 2, Paul says, preach the word. We've got to instill the knowledge of God, the knowledge of his word into the hearts of of our children, finding as many ways as we can uh, to make that happen. Don't forget the the physical things. Don't forget, you know, back in Deuteronomy six six through nine, they wanted uh, God wanted the the scripture posted on the doorpost of the houses of the uh, of the people of Israel. You know, put them everywhere. Put the scriptures, uh, make them memorize it, have it in their heart, post it everywhere. Uh, just find ways to instill Scripture into the hearts of our children. I've mentioned this before. It's, it's so um, ingrained in, in my mind. I used to listen to Flavel Nichols when I was back home. He talked about growing up in the home of Gus Nichols. And he said every morning for breakfast, there were several children, uh, when they got to the breakfast table, the, the plates were turned upside down. And no one received any food for breakfast until they had said their scripture. They were to be memorizing scripture every morning. And before they could eat, they had to say their scripture. Everybody at the table had to say their scripture. There are many ways and many ideas that we all can can come up with, but to instill the knowledge of the word of God. It's just irreplaceable. There's no substitute for it. And so we must instill in the hearts of our children. And then also, in, in addition to that, preach the word, be in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort. We must help our children. The children, Our children must see us trying to share God's word. They must see that it's important to us and then help them do it as well. We must also help our children to resist the world. The time will come when they won't endure sound doctrine. Everything that's contrary to the Word of God, we must talk to our children about that. Okay? If, if, if they hear something on television or they hear someone else say anything morally or doctrinally or with attitude that's contrary to the Word of God, then you must meet that right then. You must win that battle right then. You can't let that, you can't let that fester in the, in the mind of your children because... Uh, we want to make sure they understand the Word of God trumps uh, anything else. And then uh, help them to understand that we have to endure hardship. Verse 5 of Second Timothy 4. We must endure hardship. We must suffer hardship. There will be times when uh, people will be critical of you. 
because of your faith. But your faith must come first and foremost because it's the most important thing in life. Well, faith of our fathers, so much to be said here. Thank you for uh, work, working with me here and looking into this song. It's important, of course, as we said, that we understand what we sing, but we also, that also that we mean what we say uh, when we sing to God. Faith of our fathers, holy faith, I will be true to thee uh, till death. And so if there's something amiss in your faith, do you feel like your faith is still alive? Do you feel like your faith is strong enough to remain firm to the end? Is there some obstacle? Is there something that needs to be studied? Do you feel like you have drifted away in one way or another? We, we are here as God's family uh, to help each other grow, to, to pray for one another when we stray, or to even assist someone in obedience to the faith. You know, in Acts chapter 6 and verse 7, many of the priests in those old times were obedient to the faith. One of the great conversion statements of all Scripture, many of the priests were obedient to the faith. If you need to obey the gospel in any way, won't you please come right now as we stand together and as we sing.